obsessed with all things ovine, there is seriously something about sheep and always something new to learn about keeping, breeding and farming them. Welcome to the Sheep Show podcast. I'm Jill Noble from Holston Valley Farm and Sheep Stud and your host. The Sheep Show podcast exists to help you no matter where you are in the world, what sheep you breed, what size your flock is. This podcast will help your sheep knowledge and your shepherding confidence grow. And it's a two-way street. I love to hear from you and find out how your sheep journey is going. Contact me via Instagram at Halston Valley Farm or via email jill at halstonvalleyfarm.com.au. Come along on this episode as we explore the amazing world of sheep and sheep farming together. Post lambing and this time of the year, I count the curses of mastitis. Hasn't been so bad this year. It's been a bit different this year, but I thought we'd just talk about mastitis just generally and see, I suppose, what it is and what's old and what's even potentially new as well, particularly in in the approach of uh, of treating it. So. Uh, Let's hope you never get it, or your sheep never get it, Uh, but it does happen. And it's bacteria, basically. It's bacteria that enters the teat of the sheep. It's actually the same bacteria that causes pneumonia, interesting enough. So often with mastitis, your uh, your U is lethargic, a bit um, depressed sometimes, just not herself. She could have a high temperature as well. And it's inflammation. It, that bacteria has called, caused a, an inflammation in her mammary gland or her udder. Oh, often we will find it in sheep. You can have pre-lambing mastitis, mastitis during lambing, or post-lambing mastitis as well. And you can have mastitis that effectively kills the, the sort of blood supply to the udder. And then you end up with a defective udder, either one side or indeed, like I experienced this year, two sides. Not fun, I can tell you, but it, these things do happen. This was a ewe that I bought, a couple of ewes that I actually bought that didn't check their udders when I bought them because uh, I didn't, I wasn't able to sort of inspect them up close before I decided this was a, a, a farm that was closing and, and had to sell everything, so I just bought everything. Anyway, you get good stuff, and I got some really good stuff as always, um, and you get some sort of, yeah, interesting. <laughs> that was actually something that came up recently as I was doing some other research around, you know, buying sheep, which was buy everything. And then just like this, you get some really, really good stuff, but you also get some some interesting learning experiences, let's just call them. So, uh being bacterial, just bear in mind with mastitis, it can be infectious. So it can actually um, be in the in, in the bedding, for example. It can, even lambs can pass it from one ewe to the next if they're sort of having a good time on the milk bar and things like that, a free milk bar in a, in a small paddock or something like that. So it can actually be passed, um, be passed on. But typically we see it two to four weeks post lambing. This year I've actually been seeing it on lambing. So right at the, the first couple of days 
of uh, of lambing and that can be associated with poor weather dampness those sorts of things as well and that can also be associated with just lack of um, nutrition or health and things like that in the in the u again clue to preventions better than cure as always uh, sometimes mastitis can be because you've got a very high stocking rate again often nutritional demands are are high uh, but it could also be because of um, bedding uh, wetness dampness dirt those sorts of things so mud those sorts of things that your poor you could be lying in or or having to sort of find herself in those sorts of things anywhere where bacteria could actually I suppose penetrate that uh, that teeth two main types of mastitis there is clinical and subclinical so the clinical is a, a really obvious type of mastitis and um, you can you can see it it's it's you know the, the udder is inflamed it's hot to touch it could be really hard and lumpy um, you can often even see it in like a swollen teat, these sorts of things. And with clinical mastitis, the it can ra- rapidly progress. So this is where you really want to um, intervene very, very quickly because it will definitely compromise the blood supply of your udder. If you if you actually see some of your ewes limping uh, and there's a, a, a challenge with their gait, that can be a clue to mastitis as well. So, uh, and that, that type of mastitis can actually also be ingested by the lambs. The lambs are drinking that infected milk and again, same bacteria as pneumonia. So what's going to happen? Your lambs, they're going to get pneumonia. So, and of course they're not drinking properly. They're, they're struggling to drink. So they're not going to get enough nutrition to fight off any infection and they're not going to get colostrum. And it's just a sorry, sad case the whole way to the bottle feeding bay potentially so and the other type the the, the subclinical this is quite um, a subtle they call it subtle mastitis really it's um where you're perhaps your your lambs are just slowing slowly growing they're just not thriving they're woody is often a good word I, I, when you really look at them they're just they're just not they're not that happy shiny bouncy lamb that you see running around and this is where you might might just be a part of the udder that's impacted it might just be uh, uh, I suppose just a, uh, not something that's going to kill the blood supply um, but it can significantly impact the growth rates of your of your animals so what do we do about it well we can prevent it by trying as much as possible, particularly thinking of getting the nutritional elements right in your animals. That's a, a real prevention. And then there's a few other things we'll talk about in terms of preventing post-lambing or weaning mastitis as well. But if you're talking about during lambing or just on, on, the, on the time of lambing, you really want to focus on that nutrition, so injectables, injectable minerals, or if you do actually find your you has got mastitis, then try and up, up their nutrition, which we'll have a, a chat about. But often antibiotics really is the way to go, unfortunately. So vet, vet, call antibiotics. Um, but sometimes, unfortunately, mastitis can actually be due to yeast and fungi. So must, actually antibiotics can make it worse. 
So that's really interesting, isn't it? So again, one of the things I've been using this year, uh, and, and I did it last year as well, but this year just trying to use just vitamin C on its own. Because, I mean, if you're not going to do a, blood, a, a test, which would be taking some of the milk samples into your vet to test what type of bacteria or yeast infection is causing the mastitis, it's hard to know. So sometimes you can make it actually worse. Well, that's a bit kind of challenging, isn't it? as well and on, the, on those bacteria or microorganisms we're, we've, we're looking at things like streptococcus staph pasteurella um a form of e coli you know these sorts of things all of the, uh, e coli so these sorts of things are the things that um cause or can be the microorganisms that that are actually impacting mastitis so yeah not 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 good, uh, but often just everywhere, uh, you know, as well. So in that dirt or in, in the environment. So prevention, of course, much, much better than than cure. So good immunity, injectable um, supplements. I've even seen, you know, where, where we're using perhaps mineral blocks, those sorts of things, all those sorts of things. If if we're talking about mastitis post lambing, so at weaning, then really we want to remove any quality feed. So trying to reduce that milk production. That's a that's kind of a different type of mastitis, but it's a mastitis that's going to be very subclinical, and you won't really notice it till you have your next batch of lambs, unless you check the the others in between. Um, the some of the best practice principles now is checking the others, not on weaning or at the day of weaning but two to three weeks after weaning which is really interesting that's going to give you the best indication of that other health post weaning to set you up for your next lambing period so that's a that's a bit different than other other people I've talked to other research I've done on it which is often said you know when you're weaning check the udder and I really, I think, think there's a lot to be said for that, to sort of wait those couple of weeks if you can and, and then check the udder after the udder has dried off. And, and then you can sort of see how healthy it actually might be. So, again, interesting to sort of look at that, that, uh, that idea. But if we're talking about going back to the, the mastitis at lambing, then there's some interesting schools of thought to reduce any um, sugar in that used diet. So that would be getting her off grain and carbs and sugar. And I've tried this, putting my use just on hay, and that seems to work quite well. They don't like it, obviously, and it's not great, but um, so really trying to reduce the sugar and that can, can help her a little bit. Um, I haven't find, I found any research on this, but some theories are to, to give the you a sulfur lick block. And again, I can't find any research on that. So I'm interested if any of you know about that or have tried sulfur. I know I use powdered sulfur in a loose mineral licks and also for any external parasites that I get, particularly on my calves. But interesting to see if, uh, if sulfur itself, it can actually help. And for me, vitamin C really, really helps because again, it's infection. So vitamin C will help with fighting off, fighting off that infection as well. Some people look at um, milking them out. Some people look at injecting things into the udder. I've never done that. Um, 
but I know that if I did, I'd probably call my vet and see what they suggest me do. Um, so that's, yeah, that's something to sort of think about and, and, and getting, getting advice on that. If that is something that's impacting or you're really worried, or this is a really, you know, important you for, for you. Um, but nutrition, environment, and then thinking about trying to help that you fight infection. So using, in my case, vitamin C helps a lot and, the antibiotics if you need to use them but bear in mind as I said they could make it actually worse um you might want to think about isolating the ewes as well because as I said the lamb on that ewe can then suck on other teats and can share it around and also that will help you I find if you isolate that the ewe and lambs then you can keep an eye on them and you can Give, uh, give the little lambs a bit of extra feed if you need to, if they're really struggling or suffering. One of the other things I had this year was completely b- blind teats. So this wasn't sort of blocked teats where when you squeeze it hard, it sort of unblocks. This was where the teat was completely def- just defunctional, just not working at all, defunct completely. And um, I tried everything. I had two use at the same time. I tried everything I could find anyway to try and fix it, but it didn't, didn't work. So I took, took, um, twin lambs off one particular ewe. Um, I, I did leave her for, I gave her a good week just to make sure, um, the ewes were still sucking. She was a fabulous mother, all doing all the right things, but the, the lambs were constantly hungry and I was feeding them all the time. At the same time, I had another ewe, same problem, unfortunately, all from the same mob, uh, of sheep. And in this, this second case, the ewe I was able to, well, obviously with the lambs, the lamb sucking, the ewe has actually been able to feed her twins. I can't believe that. So obviously the ewe's sucking constantly stimulated the flow because the, the, the udder was quite large. There was a lot of potential milk development there. So this, the some blood flow, I'm thinking anyway, but this has worked, so I've stopped. Uh, and I was noticing as I was trying to feed those bottle, bottle feed those lambs, they just weren't interested. They weren't really keen on on me coming in and feeding them. Um, so I thought, ah, oh, and then I checked her udder again, and sure enough, out comes some milk. I'm thinking, this is good. I can't believe this. Patience just paid off this time. You know, patience, bit of vitamin C, and just moving her on to hay just paid off. So all those sorts of things. And I did, I had that particular you isolated. So it just, it can work. I mean, I've even seen in the past ewes that have had mastitis during lambing and post lambing come good to fully functional udders. Um, and then this year I've seen one you which had no mastitis last year form a very fat teeth. You know, these big fat sort of squidgy teats then they're not functional if you ever see a you with that it's um it's it's not this the 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 udders are often not symmetrical as well so there's kind of one small one large or the teats aren't symmetrical anyway it's pretty obvious that um that 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 teat is not a functional teat so good to check it and it's good to just get into the habit of checking checking teats and and you know giving them a bit of a stimulation um, it also gives you peace of mind that you know that that you that lamb will be able to actually access the milk if um, even when they're ready for it when they get up on their feet after 
after being born. So it's not a great, it's not a great thing. The, the defective teats are, are, from what I can find, again, very little research that I can find on this, but so far I've found that it could be genetic, where the teat is not fully formed properly. It could be blocked, and I've seen people put needles or talk about putting needles up the, the teat. I didn't do that ever, but I know, I believe you can. I don't know, I feel kind of a bit... Bit invasive, but I get if if the teeth's blocked, you've kind of got nothing to lose, have you, by by doing that? But uh, you know, I've, and I've done some kind of hairy things in my time with my sheep. But um, I just think, you know what? If her teeth aren't functional now, something's wrong in there. And really, the best thing I can do, apart from give her a go, is call her. You know, take her lambs off her, and you know, do what um, do what you need to do with those lambs. And then that's a decision to actually call that particular you um, as well. Again, I know some people will be fine with one functional teat and sometimes it's worth it given the, the quality of the lambs that that particular you would produce. But it also means that there's a bit of extra work, particularly if, if that particular you has had twins, which of course they will. Don't worry about that. The ewes then... <laughs> got those problems we'll always have twins or triplets or quads and things like that um as uh, as some of my friends actually know they're the ones that actually can often have you know the the most fecund and then often can't deliver and and all these ewes that I'm talking about wanted to they were very keen very attentive very responsive mums but um just you know couldn't deliver couldn't actually come up with the the goods as well. A few other things you can do if you wanted to, just disinfecting the teat um, with like an iodine disinfectant. Um, You can get some tube antibiotics that you can put up through the teat canal as well. That's another option. Um, antibiotics um, or anti-inflammatories is potentially as well. And then what to look for um, would be or feel for would be hot, red, um, lumpy, um, checking obviously the teat and um, and then asymmetrical teats. So asymmetrical udders and, and asymmetrical teats, so these big fat ugly teats and I have one you I think just recently actually lamb and I could see the teat already big and fat and I was very glad she only had a, tw- a single so that I knew she was going to be fine. The other um, teat was functional, but I knew that she was only going to be able to cope with a single. Remember, uh, as my dad says, a ewe with two teats can feed three or four lambs, but a ewe with one teat can only feed one. So you, there's nothing you can do there. You know, you you're, you unless you can get that... Um, blood flow back to that uh, that udder and the flow from the udder down through the teeth. There's nothing else you can do as well. I've got one more. I'm bottle feeding lambs and they're sucking like crazy. I've got this final one again from the same mob, which really, really makes me think that either it's genetic or it is that a lamb has passed the bacteria on from one you to the other you in this particular mob, which wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. 
Um, but it's really interesting just to sort of see, and I've never had that before where literally, you know, all these related views or all these connected views all have the same problem. So big learning lesson, um, to just sort of check, check the others. Again, it's hard because I was buying these used dry. They weren't joined or anything, but I still have some of their other, um, sort of the other of that flock that I haven't joined that are up in a friend's house and a friend's farm. So uh, I will be seriously checking those others and uh, and double checking that they're worth joining next year or maybe they will go in the coal pile as well for um, for my decisions. So so there you go. I mean, not, not a great topic to talk about, but something we do have to talk about and something we do need to be aware of. And then again, when you're coming into weaning, to really think about how to, to reduce um, that uh, that uh, fuel, I suppose. And if you can wean, get your, your ewes off on a skinny paddock where they are going to dry up their milk production, that's a really good way to go. If you are supplementary feeding your ewes with any sort of grain, or um, again, high carb food, you want to really reduce that really um, quite, quite, quite early before weaning, quite soon before weaning, like a week to two weeks, three weeks before weaning. And th- that's not going to make any difference as long as you've got a bit of grass because the lambs are eating a lot of grass anyway and not drinking as much milk as well. The other thing um, to just mention is that the older ewes, they are more tend to be more susceptible to to mastitis as well um and they might need extra feed of course but they also um you know maybe just time to just sort of say goodbye to those if those aren't those older users are starting to experience mastitis it's it's probably going to get and get worse rather than better uh, as well and there's probably not a lot you can actually not a lot you can actually do to sort of um, deal with that if they're getting, if they're getting worse and worse. Yeah. So there you go. Mastitis in a bit of a nutshell for you. Hopefully that's helped you make some decisions and also be aware of a few things, what to look for, what to do, and also indeed how to prevent it, which of course is always a better course of action. Thank you for listening to the Sheep Show podcast. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode and sign up at www.holstonvalleyfarm.com to receive regular lamb recipes and other sheep snippets via email. And let me know how your sheep journey is going. Contact me via Instagram at Holston Valley Farm or via email jill at holstonvalleyfarm.com.au. And until next time, sheep well.